What do you do when you fall down in your business? In today's episode, our special guest, Daniel Tolson, shares his philosophy of the road to success during his own entrepreneurship journey. Stay tuned to his inspiring story. You won't want to miss it. And we invite you to head over to the lemacharlienetwork.com for more inspiring podcasts from more thought leaders from the military and civilian worlds. And if you're on social media, because who isn't these days, give us a follow on Instagram at the Lima Charlie Network Instagram page. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me, and joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world, and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them, and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming turmoil into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, I invite you to connect with me on all the social media links, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And today, my guest is the incredible Daniel Tolson. So welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks for having me here. I, lo- I love that introduction. And uh, I was thinking of my daughter here. She was doing a photo shoot one day and she said, Dad, my battery's flat and I need a recharge. What she really needs is she needs to be sparked up by Shay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love how old is your daughter? She's just turned nine. Oh, that's a fun age. Very fun age. Beautiful age. Yes. And um, we got connected, I believe, through LinkedIn. Is that right? I did indeed. Yeah. Just recently, within probably the last month or two, and then we finally had a connection call. Just amazing that here you are clear across the world and we were able to connect, even if it was in the middle of the night, my time. (laughs) (laughs) We swapped roles today, which is lovely. So thanks for being here. And I I like these platforms like LinkedIn. I used to go to a lot of live events pre-COVID. And mm-hmm. I remember I'd work all day, then I'd drive to the city, and then I'd go to a room, and there'd be hundreds of people there, and it was hard to connect. And and I found that LinkedIn has been a real blessing. It just saves so much time, and you can kind of filter through yes. people and find your ideal clients. I like it, and I love podcasting as well, because you always find somebody who's got a really interesting message. Well, and I think that's what's so fascinating about LinkedIn is that there you either have a, another podcaster where you could be a guest on and you guys could swap interviews or someone fascinating who you know has a great story so i'm so glad that we connected and and here we are today let's have some fun yes so for those of you who don't know daniel tolson is a business influencer his goal is to help you accelerate and multiply your results He impacts millions of people each year, and he has studied, researched, written, and spoken for 20 years on the topics of time management, goal setting, strategic planning, sales IQ, business model innovation, and emotional intelligence. Daniel is considered the world's number one business coach in specializing in emotional intelligence. With over 5,500 case studies with emotional intelligence in the past three years alone, He has written and produced more than 250 audio and video learning programs, which have influenced business owners all around the world, including Mental Detox, Total Emotional Mastery, and Win Sales Now. And you can find out more about him and what he does in all of his amazingness on a Facebook group that he has called Accelerate and Multiply. 
So you can search for him there. And Daniel, thank you so much for getting up early since we switched places. And I know it's early in, in your part of the world. And I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Well, I remember when I applied for my first job and it was with my uncle. He was a real estate agent and he said, hey, you got to come and work with me. And But he made me jump through a series of hoops before he actually gave me the job. So I went there and he gave me a book called The Greatest Salesman in Babylon. Mm. And he said, take this book and read it. And I read it and I came back and he said, well, what did you think about the book? Tell me about what you learned. And we started to debrief. And then he gave me another book and it was called uh, Who Moved My Cheese. Yeah. And so I read the book. I went away and I came back and he said, what did you think about the book? Tell me what you learned. What I realized, he was making me jump through these hoops. And what I understand today, he was seeing how much I really wanted to Mm. work with the company. So he was making these small investments in me to begin with. And then he was seeing if I was willing to invest in myself. Mm -hmm. So as he saw that I was willing to invest time in myself by reading, emotion by actually sitting down and having the discipline to finish a book, he started to see this commitment level rise. And he kept matching my commitment levels all the way up to getting me into sales and then to buying my first investment property. So at 19, I had jumped through all the hoops. I'd hit all the KPIs. I'd started to make the money. And then he said, let's invest in our first investment property together. So he invested emotionally. Mm -hmm. He invested spiritually because he took me on that journey of reinventing myself. He invested in me with education, invested in me financially. Mm-hmm. So I believe that educating in people comes in many different forms and it's also very incremental. And the more that you're willing to invest in yourself as an individual, I believe the more the company or the boss or the owner is willing to invest in you. Mm, you know, I love that you compared investing in yourself to educating because it, that's really what it is, right? We're educating ourselves. We're we're taking time to learn something new. And oftentimes, once we graduate and get that piece of paper, it's like, that's it. We're done. I'm, I don't have to study ever again. But when you are like, I, I know that you are, and like myself, we become learners of, for life. Mm-hmm. You are constantly growing and learning and ed- educating and seeking out opportunities to educate yourself. So how was your experience, <clears throat> I, I don't, and I don't know, you could share this as well if you went to college, but how was your experience different than, say, your peers or your friends at that age? Because you had real life world experiences that educated you and books that educated you that actually meant something rather than going maybe going on to college or maybe you went on to college. And that experience also shaped you, but you were still having this other person pour into you. My education experience was far from spectacular. (laughs) So I was diagnosed with linear sequential learning disability at age 11. So I'd been having bleeding noses. My body was physically collapsing. I'd be running and my body would just collapse on the floor. I had all these allergies. I had collapsed bronchioles. I couldn't breathe properly. And so at age 11, I was diagnosed with linear sequential learning disability. And I think the best way to describe it was on the lead up to it, my teachers were always saying, you know, if Daniel just tried harder, he'd be Mm. a good student. If Daniel just paid attention in class, he'd be a good student. Within myself, I knew I was trying really hard, but there were some major obstacles. I had 20-20 vision. The vision wasn't the problem, but what would happen was I would look at the board and I'd see all this writing on the board and then I'd start to write in my book, but nothing in my book matched what was on the board. Hmm. So I was having troubles processing information when it came in. I'd then read what was on my paper and I'd say all the right words, but it was all jumbled up and nothing made sense. So learning for me was really hard. What also made it hard was I was actually tone deaf. So the platelets in my cranium were pushing down on the hemispheres of the brain. Mm. And it also impaired impaired my hearing. So I could only hear a flat tone. That was it. So I spent five years in remedial therapy trying to correct this. 
Once I got out of remedial therapy, I was so far behind everybody else that I dropped out of school at age 17 because I contracted Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue, teenage chickenpox. (laughs) And then I had two back-to-back operations at 18 and 19 that put me in rehabilitation for another two years. Wow. So by the time I was finished high school, I dropped out. I then went to business college and everybody finished in a year and I had to extend my program over two years because I was sick for most of it. Mm. And then I could never get into university. So by the time I got into university as an adult student, I think I was 27 and a half, I went for one semester and they said, Daniel, I think you should go back to high school. <laughs> so wow. They said, you're just so far behind with what we need for academia. I dropped out after one semester. I, I couldn't pass the exams. Mm. I couldn't do the assignments. So my experience was traumatic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was traumatized. But it was a conflict because I love to learn. Mm-hmm. I love to learn. But I just realized that formal education doesn't suit me as an individual. However, professional education, seminars, learning directly from uh, mentors, experts, coaches, consultants works and it almost works immediately. So school traumatized me (laughs) and old (laughs) education has uh, reinvigorated me. Mm. You know, what a beautiful testament to your determination that you were unwilling to give in. I won't even say give up because you could have just given in and been like, okay, I get it. I'm, you know, whatever words that you were saying to yourself of discouragement, but instead you kept going. Well, you got to keep going. I don't believe we have a, we have much of a choice in my mind anyway. One thing that I struggle with is I can't understand why people don't want to become more successful within mm. me because I've had to try so hard at everything. And trying two or three times harder for me is my normal because for me to learn is a lot harder. So what I do is I just sure. go all in at the start. I dig a deep grave and I climb my way out. And that's just what happens for me. So I, I struggle with trying to understand why people don't want to better themselves, why people don't want to learn. Because there's so much to learn. And I think the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know all that much. And you keep learning. So I I, I love to learn. I was sitting down last night and I put together a 300-page training system. I said to my wife, I want to print it out. She said, what do you want to print out for? It's 300 pages. I said, I just want it in front of me. She said, what are you going to do after that? I said, I'm going to put it in the cupboard. She goes, why? I said, so I can remember what I've learned. And then she said, why don't you just do it on your iPad? And I said, okay, rodeo. <laughs> so I created a new 300-page training that I'll go and go through on my iPad over the next couple of weeks. That's awesome. So you really took what you learned and you put it into a training manual for your for your employees, maybe for yourself. Maybe it's a book that we'll have to talk about another time. <laughs> well, what, I, what I've learned is as a coach today, my clients come to me for a condensed version of learning. So they say, Daniel, we want to avoid bad hires in our business, and your job in our business is to reduce the risk. Mm. So what I'll do is I'll go out and I'll find everything that I can learn about a particular problem to solve that problem for my clients. So last night, 300-page training system on everything that I can find that is the most up-to-date. And then what I'll do is I'll share that in a condensed version. So if it takes me, uh, now I've been doing this for, for 10 years already, but this is just on top of the 10 years, I'll condense that, I'll meet with them for two or three hours, I'll implement these systems into their business on their behalf. Because they say, this is your area of expertise. It works well with your mind. It doesn't work for our mind, but we'll just pay you to do it. So Mm. I I get paid. This is the big secret of my job. I get paid to learn. And then what I learn is I then give my clients the condensed version so they they can get those silver bullets every session. Wow, how fascinating. So let me just reframe what we've been talking about. So here you are. As, a, as an 11-year-old, you're given a learning disability uh, label, and now in your success, you get to learn things and process it in a simpler form for other people. I go and learn from the experts. I go and hire doctors. <laughs> I, can, I get doctors to consult me, and then I take what they have from academia, mm-hmm. and then I compress it and turn it into a 
practical system that business people can understand. Mm. See, academia and business, they go hand in hand, but they're also a conflict because my business owners, they're practical people. They're taking a simple idea and getting an ROI on it. Where Mm -hmm. academia, it's all good in the lecturing theatre, but it doesn't necessarily convert directly into business. So the way my mind works is I have a very lateral working mind. So when I had my learning disabilities, I couldn't learn sequentially. A, B, C, D, one, two, three. The way my mind works is how can I get from A to Z (laughs) with detouring via K and skipping everything else? Yeah. So I can condense these ideas for my clients and make it very practical Mm. and workable. And that's how my mind works. So over over years of understanding myself, I've discovered that I've just got to do things that are practical and that are also very lateral. And so that benefits me, benefits my clients. That's beautiful. And, you know, good for you for finding the, the niche that you have, the gift that you have. Well, I think we all know our gift. I think we all know it, Shay. If we if we look at children, you know, I, I just look at my daughter. She she plays with Barbie dolls, mm-hmm. and what does she do? She gets the most beautiful Barbie dolls, and she puts them inside the Barbie castle, <laughs> and she aspires to live in the castle. And when we're all young, we have these visions that we're going to live in the castle, and we're going to marry a prince or a princess, and everything's totally unlimited. We're going to mm-hmm. drive the big Barbie bus. We're going to drive the convertible Barbie uh, Cadillac. And we sell ourselves on this big dream. However, we become conscious at around about age seven and we start to get conditioned. And at age seven, what do a lot of parents say? Okay, it's time to go to school, time to put the Barbie dolls away. It's time to come back to the real world. All of that's just a dream. It's not going to happen. And then you go to school and you get conditioned. And, you know, I I love teachers and I wish teachers were more successful. I wish teachers lived in the castle. I wish teachers lived on the house on the hill. I wish the teacher drove the Bentley and the Cadillac and the Lamborghini to school because it would be so much more inspirational for children. Mm -hmm. Because for that 18 years, they're often being taught by people who are very well educated, but they they have not necessarily had success in the field that the child wants to succeed in whether it be hairstyling, whether it be a lawyer, whether it be a doctor. A lot of our teachers haven't experienced success in the outer world. So our children get conditioned, but they also get conditioned by mum and dad. Mum and dad say, well, we never got the house on the hill. We had to get the small house on the back street in the suburb. Mm -hmm. So they're constantly conditioned, but we know what we want. I remember my mum I was age nine, the same uncle who gave me a job in real estate. He gave me a job as a paper boy. And he said, I'll teach you how to sell newspapers and make money. Now, I knew I didn't want to be a paper boy. But whilst I was there, my mum caught me one day. I was uh, finishing my shift and I came out and I saw the Salvation Army and they were taking donations. And I walked over, I had a dollar in my pocket and I gave 50 cents to the Salvation Army. And my mum said, Daniel, what are you doing? I said, I'm making a donation. I thought I was in trouble. She goes, no, I was just wondering what you're doing. She said, why did you give away half of your money? And I said, mum, I just love helping people. Mm. So we all know at a young age what we want to become, what we want to do and what we want to have in our life. And then throughout our life, we sell ourselves on the idea of why we can't have what we want. And and I did the same thing for many years. But the interesting thing was every time I was helping somebody, I felt energized. It's like mm-hmm. I had that spark in me. And I would go coach water sports from a young age. You know, so I've got 25 years of coaching experience this year. And every time I was coaching or helping somebody, I felt alive. I didn't mm-hmm. think about money. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about time. I just was doing what I loved and time stood still. And money was just a reward. I wasn't chasing the dollar. The dollars came to me. And so every time I was helping people throughout my life, it was a reminder that this was the right path to be on. But every time I left the path, what happened? I'd look at the watch and I'd say, how long can I stay in bed for this morning so I can catch the traffic so I can get to work as late as possible? So if work's at nine, how can I start at 8.59? And then throughout the day, I'm timing my day. Okay, 11 o'clock, I'm going to have my first break. Take me 15 minutes to walk up the street. I can get out of this hell hole for 15 minutes. 
12.30, I can plan my 30-minute lunch break, and then I can start to close the shop at 4.50. I can have the shutter down at 5 o'clock, and I can be out of the driveway at 5.01 to get as far away as possible from this place. And these are all reminders that you're doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But then you get a glimmer of hope, and you touch that thing that you want to do, and you feel good again. You get re-energized. So I believe we all know the world conditions us, and we also condition ourselves and we end up believing our own bullshit stories that we can't have what we want. Hmm. Well, I'm just curious. Did you believe that because of your diagnosis, did you believe that you weren't good enough or that you weren't capable of being successful? 100%. Yeah. 100%. The belief for me is I'm not smart enough. Mm. I can't learn fast enough. I'm not of value because I don't have a certificate. And it really hit home when I was, I'd say, 27. I just lost a business at age 27. I was lost my job that I was working at in our family business. I'd moved to the Middle East, and then I'd resigned from my job because it wasn't right for me, and I came back to Australia. And it was really the first time as an adult I was going back into the job market. Mm. And every job that I applied for, asked, where's your certificate? What certificates do you have? Where's your high school certificate? Did you go to university? And at that stage of the world, nobody cared about your life experience. They didn't care about the businesses that I'd grown, managed and turned around. They didn't care about that. They didn't want anything practical. It was just, do you have a certificate Mm -hmm. so we can tick this box? And so what I found myself doing was I become a builder's labourer. I was standing on top of roofs, pulling tiles off roofs. I was concreting and shoveling concrete. And then the worst job that I took was I was a traffic controller. We call it a lollipop man in Australia. And you hold a sign on one side that says stop and the other side says slow. And every Ah. time I looked at that every single day, I went, yep, my life has stopped and progress is slow. And I'd stand there on the side of the road and I would pull my hat right down over my face. I'd pull my vest right up over my nose so nobody could see who I was. I was that embarrassed because I'd had so much success. But here I am facing my learning disabilities again. These bloody disabilities that prevented me from getting these certificates have come back to haunt me. Mm. So I was second guessing myself and I got really angry. I got really angry. I got really frustrated because I looked around and I said, I'm working for my, for my mates. You know, these guys I grew up with, mm-hmm. they don't have certificates, but they're multimillionaires. And they had just found their thing, but they had done it for so long. So they knew they wanted to be builders. They'd started on that path by the age of 25. They've been doing it for almost a decade. And for me, I was like, well, what do I want to do? And so at that stage, I said, I've got to reinvent myself. And so I then applied for a job with Emirates Airline. And instead of looking at my school certificates, they looked at my character. Mm. And they said, that's the character that we want. That's the attitude that we want. And if he's got that attitude and that willing to work, if he gets along with people, then we know we can teach him anything. And so I went and worked with Emirates Airline and it transformed my life. They taught me how to lead. I ended up co-leading mm. a team of 17,500 people. I was serving self-made millionaires, billionaires in business class and first class, and not one person ever asked me about a certificate. They just said, gee, you're a nice guy. Thank you for leading this flight today. Mm. So I started to get back into that coaching and leadership role, and that's when I had that at-home feeling. Okay, I'm back. I'm heading in the right direction. So what I'm hearing is that at-home feeling is alignment. It is. Yeah. And that is such a hard thing for people to understand because they might have created this, their own life, their own career, and they're kind of doing what you talked about in the very beginning. They're getting up, they're going in, they're, you know, drinking the coffee, doing the work and dreading and going home and can't wait to get far, far away from there. And then it comes to this stage in your life where you're like, this can't be, I can't. First of all, I can't take another 20, 30 years of this, and this can't be all there is. There has to be so much more. And so I love what you have done is you have really taken your gifts and turned it into your purpose. 50 Cent once said, you got to take shit and turn it into sugar. (laughs) 
Absolutely. We all know what we want to do because we dream about it. We wish about it. We hope about it. We pray about it. And probably the hardest part is actually to verbalise it. Mm. Because if we let the cat out of the bag, if we say it out loud, now I've spoken it out loud, if I don't do it, I'm going to feel guilty for not doing it. If I tell my friends what I really want to do and I don't pursue it, then they're going to remind me of it and I'm going to feel guilty. And so this guilt trap that we get into really holds us back. You know, I, I learned that there's five types of guilt. The first form of guilt is doing something that goes against your own moral codes. Mm -hmm. That's the first one. The second thing is imagining going against our own moral code, but never doing it. So let's say you're, and then there's another side story, but let's say you're fantasizing about somebody else. That's not your partner. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're fantasizing about it is as guilt provoking as actually doing it. Yes. Because the mind doesn't know something, the difference between something that you do and mm. something that you actively imagine. Mm-hmm. The third type of guilt, which gets adults, is if we have a dream or a wish and we don't pursue it, mm. it's guilt provoking. And that's mm-hmm. the third form of guilt. And a lot of us live with that guilt through our whole life. And every time we see somebody else doing what we wanted to do, we feel guilt. But it's the unconscious mind saying to you, hey, I'm trying to probe you right now. I'm trying to give you a kick in the ass. This is what you want to do. Go do it. They're no better than you. They're no smarter than you. They're no lucky in the, than you. They're just doing it. And you can do it also. So, yes, we get these good reminders along the way. Well, you just touched on something, and it was the second guilt. And now my thought about against their moral code perceived. What Mm. are so fear shows up like that too, right? So our brains can't tell if it's real fear or if it's perceived fear. We we have today we have a fear of the fear. It's a secondary fear that we experience. Yes. Because most of the fears have been removed thanks to the police force, (laughs) thanks to the government, thanks to our parents, thanks to the the meteorologists. Most of the fears have disappeared. So it's a fear of the fear. Mm -hmm. So how did you take all of your learning and all of the the books that you've read over your lifetime and the, the ways that you've educated yourself and really honed in on emotional intelligence? My wife had an aircraft accident in 2010. And this was when I was studying cognitive behavioral therapy and behavioral sciences. And I was training myself. So Mm. what I would do as when I was cabin crew was I knew there was a secondhand book place in a place called Brass Busser, which is in Singapore. So I'd ask the company to send me to Singapore and I'd Mm. come home with 25 to 30 kilos worth of books. And I'd fly over there, empty suitcase, fly back with these books. And I remember there was one author, Dr. Edward de Bono. He had 76 books, and I think I collected 60 of them. And I studied all of this, and I was studying cognitive behavioral therapy because I knew how I could learn. So my wife had an accident, and not long after the accident, she had to have a first operation. So she went through three operations over a period of two and a half years and had a permanent disability. Mm. And I remember one night coming home. Probably about a year after her accident, she'd already had her first operation. She was sitting in the kitchen, and she had a knife in her hand. And I said, what's going on? She said, uh, I want to I end my life. Mm. And I thought to myself, oh, shit. I thought to myself, well, what help can we get? Well, we couldn't really get any help at that stage because where we lived in Dubai, if you mention the word suicide – then they're likely to take you and put you in Rashid Hospital (laughs) and put you in a padded room. Mm -hmm. That's how they treat it in Dubai. So I thought to myself, if what I know about the mind and about emotions, if I have all of these tools, then my wife can be my best case study. Mm. So I started to apply what I learned with my wife. Now, there was a lot of resistance, and I don't recommend anybody do it. They say you should never do therapy with somebody that you've had sex with, <laughs> and you shouldn't do it with your family, and you shouldn't try to counsel your friends. Mm-hmm. But I was the only person that could reach her at that stage. Yeah. So I started to use these ideas, and uh, I started to see breakthroughs. 
And I kept just applying these things and helping her see the world differently, have mm-hmm. a better appreciation for what she was going through, learn how to manage the emotions. And so after learning all of that, I condensed that knowledge into a program called a 100X DNA Masterclass. And the 100X DNA Masterclass is a three-day program where I teach people how to live life on their terms. See, most of us as adults, we aren't living our own life. We're living a life that somebody else set for us. So Mm -hmm. I teach them how to live life on their terms. Secondly, I show them how to become a leader in their own life. See, there's so many people who want to be leaders in the outer world. Which, you know, leadership in the outer world is the ability to get results through other people. But before you can get results through other people, you've got to master personal leadership, which is the ability to get the results in your own life. And when you get results in your own life, you then have the when Harry met Sally model of motivation. (laughs) People look at you and they say, I want what you're having. (laughs) And then you can become a leader. And then thirdly, it's to leave a legacy. And I believe that we've got to become so good at our chosen career that through our chosen career, because the average person is going to work 2,000 hours a year in their career, that every day we're doing what we love and we can positively impact people's lives and make people's lives better than when we first found them. And so I condense all of that and we get breakthrough our fears. We break through our doubts and we break through our limiting beliefs. And we learn this for a three-day period and people are having these phenomenal transformations. A gentleman reached out to me January this year. He said, I've just made $1.16 million in my business. He goes, wow. I've never seen this type of money before. And I said, what changed? And he said, I changed. So he changed himself. I had another young woman. She was about to give up her real estate business because of COVID. She had lost her direction. She split her attention. And Mm -hmm. we don't have attentions. We only have attention. We can only focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. And so I showed her how to get refocused. Today, she has one of the top 100 fast growth companies in Malaysia. Wow. And so it's this personal transformation that I take my clients through over a three-day three day period. And and this is becoming a very popular program, uh, 2,222 people through it in 2021. Wow. What a, taking what a groups f- of about 500 people at a time on the journey. Wow. And what a great number, it's you know, with all, the two, with all those twos. That's <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. So I love, so just by what you have learned and experienced, you have now developed this three-day training and you are transforming lives over and over, transforming businesses over and over again. What a beautiful testament by changing your turmoil into treasure. It's easy once you know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knowing what to do is the first challenge. And and it is nice because I have doctors in my program, the top professors in their country saying, Daniel, this is the most amazing stuff we've ever experienced. One of the doctors in my program, he reached out to me, he came to a weekend course with me just this weekend. And he said, hey, I've just been consulting people at one of the big embassies in my country. <laughs> and nice. that's a doctor writing to me. And he says, Daniel, your stuff's amazing. See, he's Mm. never seen that type of stuff before. I've got a lawyer in my program, and she said, I've never learned independence in my life. I've always learned codependence Mm. on the systems and the company, but now I have independence. She has four children. One of her children has Down syndrome, and she's just moving forward. You know, that feeling of guilt held her back for so long, but she's like, I should never feel guilt or shame about that. So in the past six months, as she's freed herself from these mental and emotional blockages, essentially having a mental detox, Mm -hmm. she's now had three promotions. She's had two pay rises and she's gone through a series of of crises. Now, most people struggle because they are not prepared for a crisis. The COVID crisis came and she mastered it. She got through the crisis. She applied for a new role. She became the general manager of Mm. her company. She applied for another role as a general manager. She acquired a bigger team. And then in the past 30 days, her father died. Wow. And she managed the crisis. Mm -hmm. She managed it for her and her four children and her husband. Nine days later, her father-in-law dies. She manages the crisis. So she's still going up and up and up. And these things aren't stopping her. Yes, she's feeling the emotion. Yes, she's feeling sadness. Yes, she has the disappointment, but it's not stopping her. 
because she's got that emotional intelligence. She knows what she's feeling. Mm -hmm. She knows how to regulate it. The resilience is there. And we mm. say resiliency is the ability to fall down and get back up. She's fallen down seven times in the past six months, and she's got up seven times. She just keeps going forward, and she just keeps going, and she's unstoppable. And that's what's happening to all the people in this program. Well, that's because you're unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> you found that as a as a 11-year-old that you're unstoppable, and you just have kept going. Like you said, my, I didn't have a choice but to keep going. Well, you never know who's watching Shane, mm-hmm. you never know who's watching. I, My children, I only took the training wheels off their bikes two days ago, Monday. Mm-hmm. Now, all the other kids, they took their training wheels off early, but I wanted to keep my kids' training wheels on for longer. Now, the reason why I did that is I believe in solid foundations. I wanted my children to get their balance. I wanted them to have their confidence, and I knew if they had solid foundations, in the future when I took those training wheels off, They'd go and they'd go immediately. So my boy, on Monday, I took the training wheels off. Within 30 seconds, he's riding with no training wheels. And then there's a video on Facebook. He's riding around and he's whistling. He's already whistling and singing whilst he's riding. And he's doing it perfectly. My daughter, I went back home. I picked her up. I bought her out on her bike. After about two minutes, she's riding around. And she's going around one-handed. Now, think about that. The wheels have come off and she's got one (laughs) hand in the air. I had faith in following the process of having solid foundations. And then she took a breath and I said, hey, sweetheart, I said, you want to see what daddy can do on the bike? She said, yeah, you show me. So I started to ride her bike and I stood up on the bike. And in my mind, I'm 18 again. And I thought I'm going to go bike surfing. So I stand up on the bike. My foot's on the back and my other foot's on the front, on the frame. And I'm surfing the bike and then I fall off. I fall off. I go over the handlebars. This video is on my Facebook page. My legs are going at a thousand miles an hour. And then I drop straight on my ribs and roll over. And I'm saying to myself, my daughter's watching. And I heard something go crack. And I thought to myself, if I am winded and I stay down, what am I teaching my daughter? Mm. What do I have to do? I was in pain. I went, landed straight on my ribs. Something mm. went crack. And I just said to myself, Daniel, get back on the bike. So I got back up. She's like, you okay, Dad? She didn't stop filming. She kept filming. I said, yeah, I'm okay. I got up. I had to straighten the handlebars on the bike. And then I hopped back on and I went bike surfing straight away. Oh, so my really gosh. what I was teaching my daughter was if you fall down, it doesn't matter how bad it hurts, you've got to get back up immediately. And as leaders, as speaking to everybody, as as leaders, somebody's always watching. Mm. And they're not listening to what you say. They're watching what you do. Mm. And so you've got to be prepared because this is situational leadership. You've got to step forward and be a leader when the time calls for it. And on Monday, (laughs) although it hurt, I had to be a leader and show my daughter that if you fall down, you get back up. And that will stay with her for life. So I have to ask, did you go get an x-ray to find out if it was broken? Oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no way. Not. And did you stay on the second time? Did you stay on? I stayed on. I okay. stayed on. We took the video and we laughed about it. I thought the crack, I, I know nothing broke, but I'll tell you what, gee, it hurt. And I said to her later, oh, I sure. said, my, my arm's sore. I said, my ribs are sore. My back's sore. She's like, it looked like it really hurt, Dad. And I said, yeah, it did. So th- there's no illusion that it's going to hurt. And I think a lot of people, when it comes to success, they're afraid of that pain. But yes. you've got to accept in advance that this is going to hurt. You yes. know, if you want to have a career and you want to get to the top, it's going to hurt. Yes. How's it going to hurt? Well, you're probably going to have to make sacrifices financially. It's going to hurt Mm. financially. It's going to hurt physically. I know through COVID-19, I still had to shut down a company of mine that I owned. I had to exit a business that I owned, and it hurt financially. Mm -hmm. I had to stay up longer. I had to wake up earlier. It impacted my health, but it was all worth it in the end. So just accept that that pain's part of the journey, and if you can recall if you're when you're a child about growing pains, the body hurts when it grows, but you don't say, Hey, I'm gonna stay at three foot for the rest of my life. You keep growing and you go through the pain. Mm, I agree. Anytime we take a risk, it, there's gonna be pain. That's the only way you get growth, right? 100%. Otherwise, you're staying in comfort. And if comfort is what you want, then comfort is all you'll get, is literally comfort. 
It won't get you growth. It won't get you anywhere else outside of your comfort zone. It'll just keep you comfortable. I remember when we owned our family business, my mum was in porn. <laughs> my dad was in porn. And we had a porn broker. Wait, now just hold on. For our English speaking people in the America, just that's P A W N, not the other pawn that he yeah, speaks we, of. We, we were porn stars. You know that show that you got in Vegas? <laughs> porn stars? <laughs> Buying and selling secondhand goods. Mm-hmm. When we started our pawnbroking business, we met with the local police. And they said, hey, uh, you know, in this type of business, expect that uh, you'll lose 10% of your revenues to theft. Oh, wow. Now, nobody wants to accept that somebody's going to steal from them. But the police right. just said it to us. They right. looked us squarely in the eye and they said, you're going to lose 10% of stock or money to theft, whether from your staff or from your customers. And if you can just accept that at the start of your journey, you'll be fine. So we knew in our mind that we were going to lose 10% of our product or money to theft. And, and it happened and it hurt, but at least we knew what was coming up. And we just said, okay, well, this is just part of business mm-hmm. and that's it. And we accepted it. There was, there was no surprises after that. When it happened, we just laughed and went, okay, true. And we kept moving forward. So yeah, it's going to hurt. There's four big fears and they're invisible and most of us can't articulate it. And I help my clients articulate it. The first fear that we're going to have on the road to success is a fear of being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And how do you know you've, you're experiencing this fear of being taken advantage of? You probably won't experience fear. You'll feel frustration mm-hmm. and anger because you'll feel somebody's taken advantage of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Accept it as part of the journey, but don't let it hold you back because when people have that fear, they stop asking for help. Mm. So if you're not asking for help, then there's a good chance that you have this fear of being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it's the fear of rejection. It's the fear of criticism. It's the fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. You could have the cure for cancer, but you'd be so afraid to speak up just in case somebody laughs at you criticizes, condemns you, or even judges you. Mm -hmm. So if you're experiencing that, instead of stepping away from it, step towards it and speak your truth. I I can promise you 99% of the population aren't going to agree with you. Only 1% will, and that's good. You don't need to impress the 99% of the people. You only need to impress the people who have got cancer and want your cure. (laughs) Don't worry about all the other haters. Mm -hmm. Let them go. Just focus on the people that are important. Thirdly, and you mentioned it already, it's the fear of losing your stability. So if you have a fear of losing your stability, like Shay said, you'll live within your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. How do you know everything's comfortable? But everything that you want, that you truly want, is outside of that comfort zone. Yes. Now, if you've achieved everything that you want, honestly, and you're in your comfort zone, congratulations to you. But I still haven't met a successful person who does not have something else that they want more of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're always pushing forward. And so you've got to move from comfort to discomfort. And then your next success zone will be your comfort zone, and you've got to move again. And then the fourth one is the fear of trying and failing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, I want to try, but I don't want to fail. Mm. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it perfectly. perfectly. And if I can't do it perfectly, mm-hmm. I ain't going to do it. And as soon as you see perfectionism showing up in your life... <laughs> That's that fear of trying and failing. Mm-hmm. And everybody has to go through it. doesn't matter if you're a billionaire, a multimillionaire, or you're a thousandaire. <laughs> Everybody's got to go through it to get to the next level. I love that you broke it down into four fears because that last one, <clears throat> you know, people don't want to fail and yet they want to learn. It's like, okay, we'll just reframe it because that's what you're doing. You're learning what works and what doesn't work. And when you come from a place of intention and curiosity and exploration, it shows up differently rather than having a perfection mindset or a fixed mindset or having an expectation of it to go a certain way. So I love that you you help people in that as well. It's, it's brilliant. Like the, the person who's single at the moment, what do they want? I'm not saying that everybody wants it, but what do they want next? A relationship. I want a relationship without rejection. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Good luck. (laughs) I want the prince without kissing the toad. (laughs) I want fame without criticism. I want fortune without hard work. But it's a prerequisite. If you want success, the prerequisite is failure. 
And even if you get success and you don't have failure, you'll feel like an imposter. And this is what happens to people who get success too fast. They go, oh my gosh, how the hell did I get here? Mm. I don't feel like I actually deserve this. And I meet successful people all around the world who have got success immediately and they bypassed all the failure and they say, I don't even know how I get, I got here. And if anybody found out that I got here by luck, then I'd look like a fraud. Mm-hmm. And so that's an illusion as well. You're better off to go through all the failures and yes. then get the success because you build the resiliency. And there's three types of success. There's the unsuccessful. <laughs> we know who they are. There's the short-term successful. These are the people who just want that five minutes of fame. They think if I can just show a little bit more skin than the other person on Instagram, mm-hmm. I can get a few more likes until the only thing that's missing is the cloth. Uh-huh. And what happens is they get the likes and they think, this is it. My this life is, is set. But yeah. as fast as it comes, it goes. And then the third level of success, which I'm an advocate of, is long-term success. Mm-hmm. It's where you become successful overnight which is 20 years. <laughs> right, exactly. Wink, wink, <laughs> and, hint, <hand>, yeah. <laughs> and then you maintain it for the rest of your life. And that's that's where I want my clients to go. And I know if they can go through that 20-year journey, although it's not very attractive because humans are impatient, mm-hmm. humans want wanted everything yesterday. I want the gold watch yesterday. I want the mansion yesterday. <laughs> I don't want it tomorrow. We're impatient. But It's where all success is. That's where the true success is. You get it and then you keep it for life. That's the goal. Mm, I love that. You know, speaking of kissing a bunch of frogs, but uh, toads, but that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could talk about that another time, but um, it reminds me of a story of how bamboo is actually grown and how you have to water and cultivate it and pour life into it and speak to it and love on it and all those things for five years, every single day before anything sprouts out of the earth that you see any growth whatsoever because it is growing down and establishing roots. And that's what those 20 years of four, right? Before the overnight success is establishing your roots is really getting to the heart of who you are before you can burst through the soil and and become growth. And then it's an overnight success. I think bamboo grows several feet a day, actually. I love that you bring that up. So we are getting ready to wrap up here. We just have a few more questions left. So I love that you've spent time and you have such a beautiful, a beautiful story because you literally have gone through so much and now you have invested in yourself and it naturally overflows onto your the people around you. So what is it that you want to leave as a legacy? What is it that you would want to be remembered for? Good question. I haven't been asked that one before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of the greatest joys for me as a coach is I'm not on the field with the players. Mm. I'm sitting on the sideline guiding them through to kick that goal. Mm -hmm. And I think the greatest legacy for me is even today, is to look at people and say, I've been a part of their journey. Mm -hmm. And the greatest gift would be for somebody to return that and say, Daniel was an instrumental part of our journey. Mm. And I get this feedback already today and I I see it. I've got friends, you know, they started out as clients and today they're friends and they've built these multiple seven-figure businesses. Mm -hmm. And they say to me every month, they say, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. You're the one who kept us true to course. I've got businesses that I've seen that have grown from eight figures to nine figures. Mm. And I've been on that journey with them for more than seven years. And they say, Daniel, we know you're expensive. (laughs) We know you're the highest paid in the field, but there's nobody else who can do what you do. And so a gift there is that I'm on the team and I'm part of the team as the coach. And then also seeing people who have really turned around their lives. And I think probably say the biggest thing that blows me away is how many women get pregnant after they've come to my training. Mm. Now, it's not me who gets them pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Good good job to clarify there. (laughs) But the amount of women, it is insane, who have Mm. come in and they've got rid of their mental and emotional blockages. They've improved their relationships or got out of a toxic relationship, reinvented Mm. themselves, and they've continued on with their lives. Like, there are dozens of women 
who message us, who say, you wouldn't believe it, we're having a second child, we're having a third child, and before we couldn't even get pregnant. Mm. And that blows me away. So I know my legacy is through people's businesses, <laughs> through also their, their families, which is nice. And I'd just love for them to say, Daniel made a big impact in our life. Well, you made a big impact in mine, so you are definitely living your legacy now. So thank you thank for you. that. Thank you. And how can people connect with you? We talked about your Facebook group. Is there any way, other way, maybe a, a website or social media that they can connect with you too? Come and join me on Facebook. My group is called Accelerate and Multiply, and I go live there every week and I share new ideas for you to become more successful. And if you would like to see what I do as a business coach, come over to my website, DanielTolson.com, and that'll have my services there. And you can see what I do. There's free resources, books, trainings, a bunch of things there for you to kickstart your journey of success. So whether you're successful already or you're just starting on your journey, there's a ton of resources there for you. Awesome. So it's Accelerate and Grow. Is that right? Accelerate and multiply. Accelerate it's like, and multiply. Uh, putting gotcha. your foot on the accelerator in your car and then multiplying results. If you've got one business, let's start two. If you've got 10 employees, let's grow to 20. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time today. I know that it, you were up early, so thank you for being here. And before you go, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? This too shall pass. Mm, amen. This too shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Well, thank you for being here, Daniel. It's been an absolute joy to have you. Thank you. Let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, I mean, Daniel gave you some major knowledge nuggets. You probably took some notes because he gave you tons of lists on the different types of success. So I know that you were listening. And um, if you did and enjoyed it, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and share this episode with a friend because... It just might happen that your friend has kissed a bunch of frogs too. I mean, has gone through 20 years of success and ready for that overnight one, overnight success too. So thank you for listening. And until next time, let's get fired up. The Lima Charlie Network is a group of thought leaders and podcasters with the goals of improving ourselves. Inspiring and educating others and bringing viable conversations to both military and civilian audiences. Our vision is to empower others to reach new heights in leadership. Self-development and communication by connecting our audience to crucial conversations. Focused on sharing tools, ideas, and perspectives a one-stop shop for aspiring and seasoned leaders alike to gain from the experiences and knowledge of others. We aren't just a network of colleagues. We are family. And we invite you to come and join us on this journey. And we look forward to delivering invaluable information to you loud and clear. 